The Old Testament lesson appointed for this, the third Sunday after Pentecost, is from 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. Behold, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they've thrown down your altars, and they've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Saphat of Abel-Meloha, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so he departed from there, and he found Elisha the son of Saphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen. He ran after Elijah, and he said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. And the epistle lesson is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, the fifth chapter. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for Christ, I invite you to rise to hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel pointed for this Sunday is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 51, and this will also serve as the basis for my message this morning. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> the text for this morning's message is the gospel lesson that I read to you just moments ago from Luke Chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'm sure that as a citizen of the United States of America, you have recited the Pledge of Allegiance so many times that you could recite it in your sleep. Not that you're sleeping right now. But I'm sure that you have made that pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. In so speaking, you are expressing your loyalty to the United States of America. You are expressing your loyalty to your fellow citizens. Over the years, you have made a pledge of allegiance, not only to your country, 
but also to your spouse, if you're married, to your friends, to your employer, and yes, even to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. St. John warns, keep yourselves from idols. John never qualifies this warning. He never makes a list of the idols that he's speaking about. It's an unconditional command. Any idol, regardless of its beauty, its value, or its usefulness, is to be set aside so that Christ may reign supreme and without a single competitor in our life. St. Paul speaks in a similar vein when he says in our epistle lesson for today, For freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Idols are all around us. Temptations hound us from within and from without. As St. Paul warns, we are ever tempted to gratify the desires of our flesh. Our sin-infested heart is vexed by sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality and idolatry and sorcery and enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of rage and rivalries and dissensions and divisions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and things like these. And St. Paul warns in our epistle lesson, he says, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not enter the kingdom of God. But not only do we have a daily wrestling match with the desires of our flesh, but we have an ongoing fight of not turning good things in our life into idols that can destroy our relationship with God. And so let's go back to our gospel reading. For it's not the evil things that divide people's loyalties and prevent them from believing in and following Jesus Christ, but it can actually be good things, wholesome things, Blessings from God that actually can lead us away from the Lord. Like, for example, our allegiance to our nation, our nationality. In verses 52 and 53, we read, And he sent messengers ahead of him, that is, Jesus sent messengers ahead of him, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Many of you probably are already aware of the fact that the Samaritans and the Jews despised one another. Not only did they despise one another, but they were also theologically divided over where it is that they were to worship God. The Samaritans said you were to worship God in one place, and the Jews said you were to worship God in another place, in Jerusalem. And this nationalistic pride, this theological difference, was that which caused the people of the Samaritan, the Samaritan people to say, you, Jesus, are not welcome here. And so because of their nationalistic feelings, because of their allegiance to their nation and their nationality, they rejected Christ. Another blessing from God that can often deter us and interfere with our relationship with the Lord is our allegiance to material possessions. Again, returning to our text, verses 57 and 58, we read, And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
In other words, Jesus was saying to this man, if you are going to follow me, it may mean that you need to give up the comforts of your life. You may not even know where it is that you're going to lay your head at night or where it is that your next meal is going to come from. When I was reading these words, it was reminiscent or it brought to my mind the rich young man who came to Jesus and who claimed to follow all the commands of God and then when Jesus told him that maybe that he should, if you really want to follow me, then sell all of your things and come after me, the man went away grieved because he could not do it. Because his material possessions, his wealth, had become his idol, his God. And then there's the goodness, the blessing of family. Of family responsibilities in family relationships. But listen to these words that Jesus speaks in our text for today. He says, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, our allegiance to Jesus even is to usurp and surpass that of our allegiance to our family. Especially if our family are standing in the way of us growing in our faith in Jesus Christ. One biblical Lutheran scholar, Dr. Art Just, commenting on verses 57 through 62 in his commentary states, and I quote, The way of new life is not an easy, painless way. It is the way of death for the old man in daily contrition and repentance. It requires staying on the hard road of pilgrimage that leads to the cross through death and then finally to resurrection. It calls for an unhesitating departure from ties to the old life, even ties to family. Luke does not record the responses of the three would-be disciples in this pericope suggesting that more important than the question of whether they heeded Jesus' words is the question of whether you, the hearer and the reader of Luke's gospel, will respond in faith and persevere on the journey with Jesus. You see, we can make idols out of anything in our life. We can make an idol out of our nationality, our allegiance to a political party, our allegiance to a moral or social cause. We can make an idol out of our possessions. And yes, even our family can become our idol. Our friends can become our idol. Our work can become our idol. An antique that we cherish can become our, our idol. A car that we cherish can become our idol. Our achievements in sports or some other aspect of life can become our idol. A hobby can become our idol. Our education become our idol. A trip can even become our idol, and even the goal of retirement can so control our heart that it too can become an idol. You see, an idol is anything that we fear, love, and trust in above God. Now, don't miss my point. These potential idols I just listed are God's blessings, aren't they? They're, they are God's gifts to us. To possess them is not in and of itself sinful, but what is sinful and harmful to our spiritual and eternal well-being is when they possess us. 
and when we pledge our allegiance to them as opposed to the Lord. And so with the strongest of language, our Lord Jesus Christ in our gospel reading for today is calling us to pledge our ultimate allegiance to him and him alone. We're to have no other gods above the only one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're to pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ, even if it means repudiating our nationality, even if it means forsaking our possessions, and yes, even if it means severing ties with our family when they interfere in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's pretty radical, wouldn't you say? Now, do you think that Jesus is being brash to make such a demand on our life? Is the cost of following Jesus just too radical? I hope not. I hope you don't think so. For the one who's calling us to follow him, to pledge our allegiance to him, is uniquely the Son of Man. This term, Son of Man, which appears in our Gospel reading, is Jesus' most common title for himself. Eighty-one times in the Gospels, it is used of Jesus, and it's never used of anyone else in those Gospels. The Son of Man is a messianic title, meaning that this title conveys the idea that Jesus is the human substitute for all people. God's Son, Jesus Christ, is the sole human being who bore the punishment of his Father for man's sin. And it's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, that you and I are reconciled to God. Jesus says, the Son of Man, or the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. God's Son came to save you. He came to save me. He came to set us free from the tyranny of sin and Satan and death. Verse 51 begins, When the days drew near for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. These words, they emphasize how determined Jesus is to accomplish what his Father sent him to do on our behalf. And to accomplish his mission, Jesus' pledge of allegiance to his Father was unwavering. I mean, according to the will of his Father. Jesus suffers. Jesus dies. And then Jesus rises from the dead. And he ascends into heaven as the triumphant Son of Man. And as a result, the Son of Man says to you and he says to me, I forgive you of all of your sins, including your sins of idolatry. You are victorious over death because I have accomplished everything that my Father sent me to do. It is this one, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, who demands our pledge of allegiance, our utmost loyalty. The following poem was first published in a newsletter of a Lutheran church. And this poem describes the struggle that we have with idols. This poem concludes with a confession of sin. I'll just share this poem with you. It says, You asked for my hands that you could use them for your purpose. 
I gave them for a moment, and then I withdrew them, for the work was hard. You asked for a mouth to speak out against injustice, and I gave you a whisper that I might not be accused. You asked for my eyes to see the pain of poverty. I closed them, for I did not want to know. You asked for my life that you might work through me, and I gave you a fractional part that I might not get involved. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for calculated efforts to serve you only when it's convenient to do so, only in places where it's safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy to do so. Father, forgive me, renew me, and send me out as a usable instrument that I may take seriously the meaning of your cross. May that be your prayer and my prayer. Lord, forgive me. Lord, renew me. Lord, send me out into this world to be your witness, to be your ambassador, to be your instrument of mercy and grace, totally, undividedly. Lord, I pledge my allegiance to you. And Lord, when I waver in that allegiance, and I will, please forgive me for Jesus' sake. This is where St. Paul's words in our epistle lesson are so relevant. Our will and our ability to pledge our allegiance to our Savior comes from the Holy Spirit, who sustains us in our faith through his word and sacraments. St. Paul writes in the epistle, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep them from doing the things that you want to do. But the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Oh, may we walk day by day by the spirit of the Lord. O Holy Spirit, nurture in us the fruit of love, joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and yes, Lord, the fruit of self-control as we witness of you, Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the December 31st, 1989, Chicago Tribune the editors printed their photos of the decade. And one was by Michael Fryer. And it captured the grim reality of a fireman and a paramedic carrying a fire victim away from the scene. The blaze which happened in Chicago, actually in December of 1984, at first seemed routine. But then firefighters, firefighters fighters, discovered the bodies of a mother and her five children huddled in a kitchen of an apartment. Fryer said the firefighters surmised she, that is the mother, could have escaped with two or three of the children, but she couldn't decide who to pick. And so she chose to wait with all of them for the firefighters to arrive. But all of them died of smoke inhalation. Jesus' allegiance to us is kind of like that mother's allegiance to her children 
but on an even grander scale. Jesus' allegiance to us is such that he could have escaped himself from his Father's wrath. For unlike us, Jesus was sinless. But he went to that cross to bear your sins and mine. You see, there are times when a person just doesn't leave the ones they love. And the cross of Calvary was one of those times where Jesus could not walk away because of his love for you and me. And Jesus' loyalty and love for us causes him to never, ever forsake us. And Jesus' love for all people is the reason why he dies for all people on that cross. But unlike the mothers whose death accomplished nothing for herself or for her children because they all perished, Jesus' death and his resurrection from the dead brings freedom and life to everyone who believe in him as their Savior. And so, today, we pledge our allegiance. We pledge our allegiance to our Savior. And I invite you to say after me, I pledge allegiance to my Lord. I pledge allegiance to my Lord and to my brothers and sisters in Christ and to my brothers and sisters in Christ. For we are citizens in one kingdom under God. For we are citizens in one kingdom under God. Forgiven of our sins in Christ. Forgiven of our sins in Christ. United by the Holy Spirit in holy baptism. United by the Holy Spirit in holy baptism. Called to be his own. And to live under him in his kingdom. To serve him and our fellow kingdom citizens, to serve him and our fellow kingdom citizens in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. In everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. For our king is risen from the dead. For our king is risen from the dead. And he lives and reigns to all eternity. And he lives and reigns to all eternity. Amen.